Hi, welcome to Supervision with a Vision. Today, Heather and I are talking about feeling average. This week we read Why Most Americans Believe They Are Middle Class, published in Psychology Today 2024. Um, Heather, you and I just talked through this just really briefly, and we said that uh, the article is saying talking about middle class, and we're using the, the word average. Average, right. Okay. Um, most, so one of the first points is that most people think that they are average. Do you think that's true? I think there could be a good argument for it. Mm -hmm. I think people don't tend to want to be on the outskirts. Okay, so it's uncomfortable, you think? Maybe. And so people think that they're average because it's uncomfortable to think that we're not average. I think people as a group tend to have that whole, like, group thing. Like, yeah. these are the things that an average family has, or these well, are the things that what if average... we don't? What if we said um, that it's more comfortable to feel like we fit in? Right. Yes. Perfect. Okay. So if we're talking about counseling and counseling supervision, what do you think happens? What's the dynamic that happens when people think, supervisees specifically, mm -hmm. think they're average, they fit in with everybody else? Um, so do, do you think supervisees think that, that for the most part they think, I'm just like every other supervisee? I think they do, at least my experience recently in one of our um, group meetings. I think that is a comfort zone. Oh, like I, I definitely think all supervisees are looking for the comfort zone. Right. And that's very, very comfortable. Yeah. If um, I have several supervisees right now, but this group in particular, they are all right around the 2000 mark. So they've uh -huh. still got a thousand hours left to go, but they are, in my point of view, competent and comfortable. And uh -huh. there's a certain, but one person later messaged me and had a like, Oh, I, I feel like I was having like I'm not as good as them. Like it just you know. Oh, it was really uncomfortable right. to feel like for even just a short amount of time mm -hmm. that they weren't fitting in. Right. I I said yeah. I feel like a lot of supervisees are looking for the comfort zone. I think being a supervisee involves a lot of really uncomfortable situations. Yes. So to be able to feel at least some of the time like. Ooh, I'm good, I fit in, I'm average, I'm right where I'm supposed to be mm -hmm. is is something that they're looking for. Right. I think it's a validation point that we may they may not say to us, like, yeah. just tell me I'm average. Mm -hmm. But I do think they're looking for that like reassurance maybe is a good mm -hmm. word. Mm -hmm. Or that um almost like you would tell me if I'm not, right? Yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> that reassurance. Kind of, you know. I do like the 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 word reassurance really fits. Um I think in thinking that they're like kind of where everybody is at, you and I have often said that sometimes our job as the supervisor is to let them know, to, to be really clear about expectations. Otherwise, they continue moving forward with their whatever their definition of average is or their mm -hmm. expectation of fitting in is. Mm -hmm. That maybe like um, a more specific example would be if what you want in supervision is not what they've experienced before. Oh, that's that a great example. You are clear mm -hmm. to help them know what it is that you do expect mm -hmm. because their version of fitting in or average or right. typical is not your version. Right. So you have to explain it a little bit. Yeah, and I think typical is another good word to go off of. Uh, we recently had a conversation about note-taking. Mm -hmm. And the three people that I was talking to do notes very differently. One of them has to use a specific form at their location where they're doing their hours and so there is no leeway they have to do it a certain way they are told what kind of notes to do mm -hmm. the two others have very 
different styles and different approaches. So mm-hmm. their notes look differently. Mm-hmm. And they all were very much like, oh, and this is also okay. But she didn't talk about goals. Right. <laughs> you yeah. know, or like yeah. something. You know, that's, yeah. But I think typical is a great word. I think the I had a supervisee. It's been a while now. Um, and I think it took her a while to say this in supervision. But she finally kind of admitted, fessed up that she was getting feedback, critical feedback at okay. work, that they were not happy with her note-taking. Okay. And I said, okay, well, let's look at them. What, right. I mean, what show me yeah. what this note looks like. And she, re- I mean, she drug her feet. I think I had to ask several <laughs> times before I got a version of her note. <laughs> it was a short story. Oh. It was yeah. really long. Okay. And when I went, oh, I see. Mm-hmm. And she went, What? I mean, this is, isn't this what everybody's doing? No. Mm-hmm. Nope. No, but this is an easy solution. I mean, right. this I is think an easy fix. An yeah. easy fix. I mean, just here, let me help you get, I mean, make your life easier. Right. Your by... notes now will not take you an hour. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's really what they were, I, I, I mean, through deduction, right. determined that they were complaining or giving critical feedback about her notes, but really it was her time management. Mm-hmm. Um, and she couldn't figure out why. If oh, that also felt this is a, that's a good example of why she thought she was average, and it was uncomfortable that she felt like she was not average, because it appeared to her as though all her coworkers could accomplish so much more oh. at work, okay. and she just didn't understand why. Right. How are you fitting all that in? Right. Yeah. How can you do all this? Right. And the issue was that her notes were taking her mm-hmm. hours and hours and hours, right. um, just to accomplish. I mean. The note that she showed me was filled more than one page. Oh, my. <laughs> and she was running a lot of groups. Oh, and wow. And so this was, the one she showed me was an individual session note. And I said, what, how, what's happening with your group notes? And she said, <laughs> they look the same. So That's a, exhausting. Right. A group that could include like 10 people, all 10 people are getting a note a like note? this. Wow. Okay. Whew, no wonder Yeah. this feels like it's overwhelming. Mm-hmm. So. So we we're saying most people feel comfortable thinking that they fit in, they're average, right. and that they do that because it feels comfortable. Right, it's comfortable. Okay. Um, the next point is that people call themselves average even when they know they're not. Right. Do you think that happens, that people are calling themselves average even when they kind of know that they're right. not? I think that if you're fantastic and above the curve of whatever average is as a supervisee, like you just got your stuff together and you're, you know, you're doing great. You don't want to be average. You don't want to be by yourself because it's scary out there. You don't want to be um, on the edge of something that's hmm. like, and I think some people may enjoy that, the accolades that come uh-huh, with that. Uh-huh. But I think typically, especially in supervision or supervisees are like, that's unkind. Don't, don't, t- they don't want the spotlight. Oh. I was thinking, okay, people call themselves average even when they're not, or even when they are aware that maybe they're not. Um, That I think, at least culturally in the United States, there's this tricky balance Mm -hmm. that people want acknowledgement, and also we're told that that is... What's the what's the descriptor for wanting? Like it um, is bragging, yeah, or it's boasting, right? If you or, are looking for that, right? So I think sometimes people would call themselves average when they know they're not because they don't want to appear as though mm-hmm. 
they're patting their own back. And I think it happens on the flip side as well. Okay. People that maybe are struggling and they're not quite up to, mm-hmm. you know, what average would be for a supervisee. I they think, don't want to draw attention. Right. They don't want to draw. They want to just like keep your head down and keep working. Eventually you'll get there, hmm. you know, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, so you think in supervision, someone would not say, I'm struggling or I think I'm not very good at this. That they, that, not that no one would do that, but right. that the, there's a chance that people would avoid doing that mm-hmm. for, for not wanting to draw attention. Mm-hmm. Have you ever asked your um, supervisees what are they not good at? I think I ask it, but maybe in a different way. I think I ask them what's something that they, they'd Want like to, to work on uh-huh. or what's something they think they could yeah. improve on, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think then they're critical. Oh, I think that then they'll critical. name some things. Right. But I, I wonder if that is also a power dynamic between the supervisor and the supervisee. Mm-hmm. That if a supervisee came in and said, I am the world's most awesome CBT counselor, right. <laughs> that they might feel compared to or judged by mm-hmm. their supervisor who right. is a supervisor, so by definition automatically has more that's true. years of experience. Right. So maybe they don't do it for that reason. Maybe. That's a good, I mean, that's a good thought. How many supervisees do you have that have ever come in and said, let me tell you, Heather, I am awesome at this one right. one part of being a counselor. Any? I don't think any. <laughs> I think I've had a couple, and it almost always has not been how I would have described right. that. You're like, oh. <laughs> right. Like maybe um, someone, I can remember someone saying, you know, like, oh, my my notes are awesome. And then when I look at them, I think, they're fine. No, yeah. <laughs> or maybe they've been told that they're awesome because they meet all the requirements of a job, a specific right. job. Right. But not necessarily something that I would call good quality. Mm-hmm. That you're reminding me of a conversation I had this week. Um, billable minutes. Mm-hmm. So asking those you know, working at clinics to have billable minutes and what that looks like for their time. And I find it, first of all, the terminology funny because it sounds like a lawyer. Like, a, yes, like, it does. <laughs> like yeah. how many minutes did you spend with this? Mm-hmm. Or how many minutes did mm-hmm. you do this? And it was very much done in joking manner, but she came into supervision and she's like, hey, I did it. And I'm like, what? What did you do? Yeah. She's like, I hit that 70 minute mark. I have 70 billable minutes. And I was like, 70 billable minutes for what? And she's like, I found a way to trick the system. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, I mean, she was very excited about this, right? Like this is, so she found a way to make sure that she was consulting with parents outside the hour of the kiddos that she was seeing so that she could then bill those 20 minutes that she was talking to each parent. So she hit 70 billable minutes for, I don't remember how many clients. And I was like, how is that even an expectation that's normal? Speaking of like average, like that's not, that's not Mm -hmm. normal. Mm -hmm. In the real world, no one's walking around talking about how many billable Billable minutes they had for a client. Yeah, weird. Unless you're a lawyer. <laughs> right, right. Or I now, I mean, expectations of jobs. Oh, How many yes. times, it, like 70 billable minutes mm-hmm. or whatever is determined right. as a really good note or a skill that you think that is not translatable to any other place or job you will ever right. have. Right, um, Like, what would be a good, I don't know. I mean, just something that's so benign or Mm -hmm. silly or you know I am really good at something you're like but that's so not the what it means to be a counselor right 
right? Just like a tangent, mm-hmm. like a side of being a counselor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, so people calling themselves average when really they're not. Maybe mm-hmm. um, that they are below average and they don't want to acknowledge it. Right. That because it's embarrassing mm-hmm. or points out of what they feel like is a flaw. Or they're calling themselves average when they're above average because they don't want to stand out in that way either. Or that it um, feels funny in the in a power dynamic kind right. of way with someone who, like a supervisor or even a coworker that mm-hmm. has more experience. Right. Um, and then that sometimes our supervisees get focused on expectations that really are not actually important. Right. They're not. They're really, just not. And yeah. In the world of being a counselor, right. they're not. Maybe in the part of you that's an employee, it might be important, but it's right. not a part of being a counselor that's like a counseling skill Mm -hmm. yeah okay the final point in our article is what are the benefits or drawbacks of thinking that you are average when maybe you're not so i think if you're not on the side if you're not there yet right as a supervisee you're not quite to the average level Mm -hmm. the one if you know that about yourself the one benefit to calling yourself average is that you'll keep pushing like you'll keep striving for that next little hurdle Maybe, possibly. But I'm not sure on the same side that there isn't just as strong of a drawback mm. to calling I was going to yourself... say, let's stick with... I, I, don't, I do not think I made myself think about the benefits before we started. <laughs> so what if we stick with that for a second? Okay. Benefits, that you push yourself more because you, you're, you're wanting reaching for right. average. Okay. Other benefits. Maybe a false sense of confidence that helps you. That's true. Yeah. I mean... I feel like that there's some to that with a new counselor mm-hmm. that you might think, I have never done this. I don't know how to do this. But if you feel like you've got a little brush of confidence and you get yourself to do it, then right. then you've done it. You've and done you've, it. You can do it again. Right. Right. Okay. So push yourself or maybe some imagined confidence that mm-hmm. that is a benefit to you. Um I mean, I don't know the last time I told a client that I was really bad at doing something in counseling that we then had a really great interaction. (laughs) So if I said, um, you know, I am really bad at talking to parents. Here, let's go start our parent consultation. Right. That would not go very well. Doesn't, like, build confidence (laughs) in your client. Right. In what you're doing. So maybe sometimes, like... I can do this mm-hmm. and then or t- yep I have worked with you as that this type of client before mm-hmm. is a benefit right those are good benefits are there, can you think of any others no, it feels hard to me to think of benefits of thinking that you're average when you're actually not what about the that's the when side. you're reaching right? right what if you are exceptional in some way but you're saying I'm average is there a benefit to that hmm I started to say maybe in only the case of not being so full of yourself that you'd come mm-hmm. off, you know. Well, what if we say overselling? Right. Not overselling, not overselling yourself? yourself. Just like this is what I do. And if you're in a good groove and doing a great thing, even if you're above the curve, maybe that just, if you don't really own it, mm-hmm. it just keeps you doing what you're supposed Well, like. I mean, I guide people towards not doing this. I think that most people do. If you give some kind of guarantee in right. counseling, right. that is not... I believe that that's unwise. Right. That, that for whatever reason you can't fulfill the guarantee, mm-hmm. or maybe so. If you say I can cure anyone of their depression in three sessions or less, and it just doesn't happen, <laughs> right? That um, that would certainly be a benefit to you to mm-hmm. not say something to not like do that, anything. right? To over not right. oversell. Mm-hmm. 
any other benefit um maybe humbling and you're more open to learning right maybe you just need more mm-hmm. of that yeah so when you are in supervision maybe you think well my supervisor isn't as versed in cbt but they are they do know a lot about this right and so i have plenty to learn from them right i still have options here yeah even if i feel like i know i'm pretty good at cbt but there's a lot of other things i have to learn right that might be benefit to them okay beneficial drawbacks to thinking Mm -hmm. that you're average when you are either below or above average well if you are below and you're calling yourself average and you think you're just like getting by then are you like really trying like you Mm -hmm. know what i'm saying like Mm -hmm. if you're not if you're telling yourself if you're telling everyone yep that's how we all do it yep and you're just barely hitting the bare minimum Uh like what about a supervisee who reaches their hours and that in texas that would mean that they have been out of school for a minimum a year and a half on average two years Mm -hmm. A supervisee that finishes that, you know, gets to that milestone and thinks, ding, I'm done. Right. Ta-da. I'm, I am a fully cooked mm-hmm. uh, counselor. I think that's dangerous. Oh, very dangerous. That you while it, it is certainly a milestone, an right. important milestone, it's not the end of learning. Well, I was going to say, hopefully by then they have learned that this right. career we're in is right. forever learning. Right. <laughs> um, but I think that's a drawback to Huge someone drawback. who thinks like, yep, yep, done, did that, moving, you know. Right. Whew, glad I never have to learn anything again. Uh, feels dangerous. Yeah, feels very dangerous. Um, drawbacks to thinking you're average when you're actually maybe below average. Maybe you take on, I feel like mm-hmm. I see this a lot, or even there, a new counselor is expected to do this. Um, take on a, a client or a situation that is overwhelming or too complex. Right. And they just don't have those skills yet, mm-hmm. but they think that they need to, or they think or that, that they're they, ready, right? Or that the agency that or the setting that they're at thinks that they're ready. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was uh, supervising counselors that are were still in school, so they were very very early on into their clinical experience. Um, I, occasionally, I would fa- have someone who was. Uh, left alone in the building oh. as the last clinician and yeah. thought, well, you know, sometimes that happens and mm-hmm. that's okay for you. Mm-hmm. And I would think, I want to be more protective of you as a brand new counselor that right. even if you think I expect nothing unusual to happen, having a just-in-case backup plan right. is nice. It's yes. important. Or um, in my own experience, the very first family session I ever had um, was really not now i would not think was terribly contentious or a a dramatic problem it was mom dad and three young kids okay the challenge was the kids were very different developmentally in age Mm -hmm. so then i'm thinking i'm managing five people right which is a Mm -hmm. lot of people when you're a new counselor Mm -hmm. and five people that had very different levels of understanding and need right big challenge um and the the agency I was working with did not provide me a whole lot of background information about the family. Ah, okay. Those are those felt like big challenges, right. and I did not nail it. I did not hit a home run that mm-hmm. night with that family, but I also didn't do the worst. Right. Um, but had I been able maybe to advocate for myself with the agency and say, I think I could use some support right. the first time around, or 
I think I need something to help me mm-hmm. be ready would have been a big benefit. Right. And it could have helped just smooth the waters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, thinking you're average or calling yourself average when maybe you're not quite mm-hmm. has some drawbacks. What if you're actually exceptional and you're calling yourself average? What's the drawback? I mean, maybe you're missing out on something. Mm-hmm. But you could, if you are exceptional, mm-hmm. and maybe you're missing out on the next opportunity because you're just trying to clump yourself in yeah. to being average. Or, I mean, certainly there's a point in your career where you specialize in something and then you are exceptional. Right, because you, right? Right, you did but it. But if you never do, what right. if you've earned, um, you've been through a training, you've earned a credential, and you don't ever use it? Oh, yeah. Or you don't ever, I mean, use the experience of the training, but right. also you don't ever use the title. Right. Then how would you attract or... Those clients for that need. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. That could be a huge drawback. Or you don't ever land the job that's the best fit for you or that you enjoy the most because you don't ever say, actually... Right. I have this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That could be a drawback. Do you think counselors specifically have a hard time acknowledging if they're exceptional in something? Hmm, that's a great question. I would say as a whole, yes. Mm-hmm. But I have seen counselors out there that don't have any, don't issue. have any issues at all. <laughs> True. True. Uh, well, thanks today for listening to Supervision with a Vision. Heather and I would love to hear about how you support your supervisees to see how they are exceptional and or things that they could grow on. And as always, we'd love to hear recommendations for upcoming episodes.